Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <laughs> Damn it, Somebody tell him he's a rookie. What's up, Jesse Cass? Back with you here for another episode of Believe in Clippers here on the Believe Podcast Network. Very happy to have you back here after our first episode previewing the season last week. We're back with the season underway. Great episode on tap with a great guest. We have Justin Wilson from the LA Clippers Film Room Twitter account. He does a great job of breaking things down. We're going to talk to him in just a few moments, but before we do, going to kick off the show and this is your first time listening, know that you can find us and follow us on any of your favorite podcast directories, of course, here on Apple, if that's where you found us, not Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find the show at Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcasts. Also, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It really helps us out as we get this thing going. Uh, Clipper Nation, it's been a good start to the season. The Clippers now 5-2 and two after a... 105-94 win at home against the Utah Jazz, avenging a loss to the Jazz a little bit less than a week prior at Utah when the Clippers played without the claw, Kawhi Leonard, but able to get the win with Kawhi in the lineup, and he was the difference, dropping 30 points, including 18 in the fourth quarter. He has been phenomenal for the Clippers so far, and everything you could absolutely expect from Kawhi Leonard, arguably the best player in the game. He has been something else for the Clipper team. And if you're with us in our first episode, we talked a little bit about Kawhi and the lack of what a load management pro- program would be. We did talk about it on the show. We thought there would be something to do with a load management program, although not as heavy as it was in Toronto. And we did get our first glimpse of that, as we mentioned last week in the game against Utah on the road, where the Clippers did sit Kawhi on the first end of a back-to-back. And it seems like there was a lot made of that on social media and people talking about, oh, it's soft, it's so early in the season, what are you doing? But... I don't even know how we're still having this argument. Kawhi Leonard just went through this program last year. Granted, he came off a year where he played just nine games and was injured and was working his way back. But he just carried a team to the NBA championship. So if he needs to rest a game here or there, then it's fine. He can do it. I don't don't know why we're revisiting this again. Kawhi Leonard has been spectacular this year. He might sit out a handful of games. As I said in the opening episode, I don't think it'll be as extreme as in Toronto, and you likely can't do that in the Western Conference anyway. But, uh, you know, with Paul, especially when Paul George comes back, hopefully rather sooner than later, uh, you might see that here and there more often. But uh, I don't think there's any way to doubt Kawhi Leonard and what he's done. He's averaging nearly 30 points a game, over seven boards, six assists, over two steals. He has been spectacular. So we've seen it work, and we've seen it work 
a few months ago when he carried the Raptors to the NBA championship. So I don't think there's any reason to worry about Kawhi and his health right now. You will see, as I said, a few games here and there, but he has been spectacular. Clippers now 5-2 and two on the year. They did have that little bit of a dud of a loss against the Phoenix Suns, although the Suns look like they're a much-improved ball club. Uh, and that was a little bit of a trap game for the Clips after, you know, exciting high-emotion wins against the Lakers and the Warriors in the first two games of the year. Uh, and then they lost against Utah, as we just alluded to a little bit ago. Uh, Kawhi Leonard not playing in that game on the road. They were able to avenge that loss uh, on Sunday night. So they're up to 5-2. and two. It's been a, a tough start to the schedule in terms of the teams they've had to play. They have a couple of good more teams coming up this week. Just two games, but it's a back-to-back in the middle of the week. Wednesday and Thursday, home games against the Milwaukee Bucks and the Portland Trailblazers. So two tough opponents, but it should be fun. Clippers are 4-0 on their home floor right now in the middle of a five-game homestand. So trying to keep that rolling. Uh, two big opponents, including the league MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, coming into the building this week. So that'll be really fun to see. And we'll see about the load management program with that. Just two games during the week, but they're back-to-back. Will Kawhi play both? Uh, that'll be exciting to see as well. So Clippers off to a fantastic start. Five and two. Things are rolling. Paul George is coming along slowly, playing three on three. Might transition to playing five on five this week. So as I said, we'll see him sooner rather than later within this month of November, I think is almost a guarantee. So can't wait for that. And we can't wait any longer to get you our conversation with Justin Wilson of LA Clippers Film Room. Really cool conversation. We were talking before the Utah game started, so you'll hear a little bit about that. But breaking down the Clippers' start to the season, their offensive numbers, their defensive numbers, where they rank, what they're doing. Uh, really insightful stuff from Justin Wilson. Great guy and a great conversation. So here it is on Believe in Clippers, here on the Believe Podcast Network. All right, so we're here now with our guest on the Believe in Clippers podcast. It's Justin Wilson. He runs the LA Clippers Film Room Twitter account. Justin, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. That's a that's a really that's a really cool intro. It made me feel really official, like I'm like I'm doing something in this in this world. But thank you for having me. I'm I'm let's let's get into it. Yeah, and like you said, you're definitely doing something. You've got uh, the engagement of a lot of Clipper fans on Twitter. Uh, before we get into the team, just quickly. Uh, How'd you, what inspired you to start up that Twitter account and, and get that following that you have in, in talking Clippers basketball? The forbidden L word, the <laughs> Lakers. <laughs> so um, whenever I would watch Clipper basketball or watch NBA basketball in general, um, I noticed that the Lakers had an, obviously they had a really strong presence. And Pete over at Laker Film Room he, he, it felt like he had the pulse of the entire um, Lakers social media fandom and I thought it was really cool how that fan base had someone who was extremely knowledgeable about basketball but could break it down in such a simplistic manner that everyone could digest and understand and I looked and I just didn't see an account strictly dedicated to that for my favorite team which was the Clippers so I said um I know a little bit about basketball so why not I'll just do it and just see what happens it, it was and it still is sort of like a passion project of sort 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. And obviously, it's very early in the season right now. Uh, you know, we're recording this on a Sunday afternoon before they take on the the Clippers take on the Jazz tonight. But four and two to this point as we're recording. Uh, what have you seen from the team so far? Is it anything different than what you've expected? Or what have you seen in these first six games that uh, that you've liked from the Clipper squad? Um, well, yeah, so, well, first of all, the game tonight um, against the Jazz is sneakily important, so I'm really anxious to see how we perform there. It'd be really great to get a win against them because we don't see them for a while after this, and the season series is kind of on the line in a way. But so far through six games, four and two, four and one with Kawhi, um, I didn't expect Kawhi to be this good to start. He's been a flamethrower from all three levels. Um, he's He's been great at the rim. He's been great in the mid-range. He's shooting the three ball well. Um, I know a lot has been talked about with his playmaking, and it really is just that. Um, I think the Clippers are giving him almost like 45% of plays ending with him as like a pick-and-roll ball handler. So offensively, I've really liked what we've done. It's a little bit, a lot of motion, but we're letting, we're really getting Lou and Trez rolling and rolling to the rim and Kawhi getting him in some really great spots that are advantageous for what he likes to do on the floor. Um, defensive, our defense is probably behind our offense, and that's kind of to be expected with one of the premier wing defenders in the league out. Um, I'm, I want to see how our defense improves once um, Paul George comes back. Um, but I will say that all in all, um, I'm really optimistic about what I see. And I'm, I'm a, generally, I'm a pessimist. But yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy and optimistic about uh, the Clippers moving forward, just based on what I've seen thus far, and realizing that. Paul George isn't even here yet. So they've been one of the best offensive teams in basketball, and they start Zubac and Patrick Patterson, which in most cases shouldn't be the case, but that goes to show just how great of an offensive coach Doc Rivers is. And if we can get Paul George back here within the next couple of weeks, um, we can really be rolling defensively. But defense is the one area that I would like to see some improvement. Um, it's not for a lack of effort, though, so that's good. And um, But, yeah, offensively, we're great. Defensively, not so much. But both of those things should be improved once Paul gets back. What about you? What, what, have been, what has been your takeaways? Yeah, you know, like you said, a lot has been made of, uh, you know, Kawhi and his really enhanced role as a playmaker and a facilitator. And I think just watching him even going through the playoffs last year, you kind of, you know, you take the summer off and you you don't forget. But just seeing him on the court and in a Clipper uniform and what he's done has been just really incredible. And seeing how efficient he's been doing it, you know, he's close to 50-40-90 right now, granted very early on. But his role in kind of immediately becoming the leader and the best player on the team has been just really exciting to watch and um yeah i know you mentioned the starters as well i think at least personally it was a little surprising to see patrick patterson start and get the minutes that he has but he's actually looked pretty solid in that role and uh you know at least just thinking from it from the outside you know it seems like doc has that bench unit kind of with the rhythm and everything going so i think i guess the easiest one to substitute out when you do get a paul george back would be someone like patrick patterson without disrupting the chemistry of the bench. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on the starting five? And as you said, despite that, still the second best offensive rate in the league right now. 
Well, back to back to what you mentioned, I actually think that Patrick Patterson is going to stay in the starting lineup when Paul mm-hmm. George gets back. I actually huh? think Landry Shamit will be the one that goes to the bench. I'm not sure. I, I, I obviously don't know, but I think I think Doc is leaning towards that. It, it seems like he really likes Patrick Patterson as before, and um, if he can hit about. 37, 38 on open threes. Um, it could, it, it could work. I'm still kind of skeptical about the Patrick Patterson move in the starting lineup long term. But yeah, I, I think it's really impressive how the Clippers have one of the best lineups, starting lineups in basketball, and have the overall second best offense in basketball. When Patrick Beverly hasn't found his shot, he's been dreadful offensively to start the year. Um, guys like Zoo and Pat Patterson, guys who you normally wouldn't think of as far as being um, big time minute minute guys on an offensive juggernaut. So I want to see the sample size a bit more with this starting lineup, but it helps when you've got guys like Patrick Patterson, Kawhi, Sham making all making shots, and if Patrick Beverly can find his shot at some point in this season. I know he started slow last year as well. Yeah. If he can find his shot, then um, things things could really look great for that lineup. Uh, I, I love I love what the bench is doing. I love the look of the bench. Um, that Lou, Lou Trez pick and roll, pick, picking up right where it left off, um, that's just such a tough cover. Montrez, he's probably, in my opinion, one of, if not the best rollers in all of basketball to the rim. And then you support him, you support his roles with uh, Mo Harkless and Jermichael Green spotting up um, to give him room to roll. So I, I love the look of their um, second unit against almost any second unit in the league. And I think it only get better once Paul George gets back. I'm anxious to see that, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I think we all are. And for Paul George, a wing player who can kind of slide in, what do you see the adjustment process being like when he does come back in terms of just developing the chemistry and how things will look on the floor with him spending a lot of time with Kawhi, playing with Lou Will, Montrez, all the guys who will get heavy minutes? How do you see him being integrated and how that will fit with the lineup right now? Well, I, I think that's one of the beauties of Paul George's game, right, is that he's such a seamless superstar. He can fit in just about any offensive ecosystem. Um, He's really good with the ball and pick and roll. He's underrated as a playmaker, in my opinion, but he's also elite at spotting up. He's elite at taking off the dribble threes. You can bring him on pin downs. He can guard just about any position. So as far as his him fitting into what the Clippers do offensively, I think it, it should be seamless. There'll obviously be some rust for because he is coming off of injury. But aside from that, um, aside from general rust, I, I don't see that big of an adjustment for Paul George or the Clippers because Paul George is just such a fluid superstar who has tools that can be be found on any other any other team in the league. So I'm I'm a guy that um, I'm a guy that is really 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 um, happy that we have him on our team and he's someone that I I don't worry about at all. Yeah, that's going to be a really exciting time for the Clippers and their fans to to see really that 
just the full project coming together from getting Kawhi and Paul George and actually seeing the finished product on the floor. It's going to be something to see. Justin, one thing that's been made a lot of, at least early on in the offseason and into the early season, is the Clippers' lack of real depth up front. Now, they have a lot of long, rangy wings, um, but in terms of the center position, it's really Zubats, and then you have Patrick Patterson playing the 4-5 and not a ton of other size out there. And we know the league is smaller. It's more three-point heavy. Do you feel like they need to add another big man at some point, or do you think they're fine with the big man rotation that they have going forward? Um, yeah, so that's that's been something that um, a lot of people have clamored about the Clippers. Hey, they need size. Oh, Zubac is the only big on the team. Um, I, I'm one of those guys that said I, I need to see it play out. So I probably I probably would like to see a bigger sample size to de- to determine that. Um, I know I know that right now as I, as I'm looking, they're 28th in the league in rebounding, mm-hmm. um, which which could could mean which has a direct correlation which has a direct correlation to that. Um, they're also they're all they're also only middle of the pack in terms of rebounding percentage, and the eye test kind of supports that. Um, I think at some point it'll be addressed. Uh, the Clippers have been the most active team at the deadline the last two years. I I don't suspect for a second if they believe that they can't win unless they upgrade the front court. Um, they they that they wouldn't they wouldn't pull the trigger on something. Um, they've got some assets that they think that they can use. Uh, Montrez Herald is going to be a free agent this summer. Um, if the Clippers don't want to pay him, that may be somebody that they may look into uh, seeing what packages they can make there. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree that with the notion that they probably could use another big. Um, it's not that they can't win with this now, but if Zubac were to get injured, they're like completely screwed. They have no depth behind them. Um, he's been great to start the season, in my opinion. But behind him, we have no other centers on the roster. So, yeah, at some point, they'll probably need to address it just from a rebounding perspective. Yeah, no question. Would you agree with that sentiment or, or no? I would. As you said, it's it's interesting just looking around the rest of the league, and obviously it's it's a different league than we've seen the past five years, You know, which has been dominated by the Warriors and their you know, small ball attack, uh, but there are a couple of contenders that have a lot of size. You know, of course, the Lakers across town are a big team. You know, Philadelphia, who's one of the favorites in the East, is a really big team. So if you run into one of those teams, it might be an issue. But again, it could depend all on, on matchups. And you could always play some of these big guys off the floor with a lineup that's smaller, but still longer and more switchable on defense with Kawhi and Paul George and whoever else you want to plug in there in the front court, whether it be Harkless or Jermichael Green. So uh, you know, a lot of it I think is matchup dependent, but uh, I do think you know, as I said, just for insurance, maybe adding another big man down the road, uh, depending on what it might cost you, could could be effective for them in, in terms of building, uh, you know, insurance against playing a big team. Absolutely, um, and then that word insurance is like the big the big point there, right? We yeah. Just just in case, like we are playing for championships, so there's 30 teams in the NBA, but really you're only focused on a few and there are some teams like the Lakers or the Sixers who are big enough to where that may be an issue down the road but um, yeah they, the rebounding is for me is like ah we may need to fix that <laughs> yeah 
Uh, have you seen anything different from Doc in terms of the sets that he's run that have been different from the past few years? Of course, the personnel is enhanced with you know adding Kawhi Leonard, but from what they've run, really, the last two years with a similar group of, of Lou and Montrez to, to what they've run now, uh, what have you seen in terms of the offensive approach and kind of the play calls from Doc Rivers on that end? So just from the six games that I've seen, um, his offense, offensively, the Clippers were a bit more diplomatic the last couple of seasons, a bit more egalitarian, where without a clear-cut superstar, per se, they they would do a lot of sloppy stuff. They would do a lot of off-ball motion action for guys like Landry Shamit, or they, they would move the ball a lot in the half court. Um now you don't you don't see as many floppy sets. You don't see as many like wedge pick and roll single double stuff. It's a lot more. Let's run some off ball motion to get Kawhi isolated on the left block, or let's run some stuff to get him isolated at the top of the key in one of the sweet spots, stuff like that. So it's been it's probably been a little bit more iso centric than than they um. Than that, that than they've done in the last couple of years, but hey, he's conforming. He's conforming to the roster, and the roster has, in my opinion, the best player in the NBA. And you give the ball to the best player in the NBA, and you let him, you let him work. And credit Doc, he's kind of allowed. He's kind of allowed the system to develop into that. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you just look at Kawhi's numbers. As you said, it's a small sample size, but almost thirty points a game. Seven and a half rebounds, over six assists, and of course took over two steals. He's just been everything that you could possibly ask for. Uh, you said you've been very impressed by him. Has he exceeded your expectations with how well he's come out of the gates here, even despite the fact he's coming off that finals run and being the, the NBA finals MVP? Well, I, 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 it would be hard for him. It would be hard for him not to exceed anybody's expectations. Um, he himself said that he hasn't. He hadn't even played basketball at all this <laughs> summer. He was recovering. Yeah. Um, which so so it, the last thing you'd expect from someone like that is to come and average thirty a game on like fifty, forty, ninety in only thirty minutes. That's that's kind of that's kind of I I didn't expect I expected him maybe to get to that point at some time at some point during the season but definitely not this soon his playmaking is you know I, I thought in Toronto he made a jump as far as his ball handling and just being able to make certain reads and certain passes but I did think the ball stuck a little too long in his hands um, with LA you're not seeing that the timing on his passes has just been great he's been feeding guys like do and Trez right on time and on target, giving giving shooters the guy giving shooters the ball in places that they can in that they can do in whatever they need to do as far as like catch and shoot or like catch one dribble and get to the rim. So his vision and the passes that he's making are passes that suggest that he's still improving as a basketball player. And for the Clippers, that's the best news that you could that you could hope for because he's under contract for this year and next year and hopefully many years to come. So the fact that he's still improving is, is scary. Yeah, no, no question. He's been incredible so far. Uh, he did, of course, sit out the one game for the load management. We know that he and Doc and some of the others have both talked about it. it won't be a heavy load load management program, but it is still expected to be part of this season. 
How often do you see him or think you'll see him sitting this season? Uh, and as you said, he's around 30 minutes per game, so that's obviously kind of right where they would like him to be. But how much do you see that being a factor as the season plays on? Um, this is one of those questions where I generally, I genuinely don't know because they, they've kind of switched courses, switched, switched, switched lanes on me. They <laughs> said that throughout the entire summer and the preseason that load management wasn't going to be much of a thing this year and that Kawhi's healthy and ready to go, and here he is sitting out for load management in game four of the season. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, I would, if I guess, I'd guess that he'd play under 70 games this year. So whatever, whatever, whatever that may lead to, maybe he doesn't play the first night or the second night of back-to-backs at all this year. But, but regardless, I'm not sure that we can do a serious load management program in the Western Conference and sacrifice games like that. Um, hopefully we don't have to load manage him again until Paul George gets back. So we'll see. I, I, I don't know, but my read on it is that he's going to play under 70 games if he's, if he's already being load managed this early into the season. Yeah, and, and there's obviously the, the most recent sample of success in it working in Toronto. Granted, you said Eastern Conference is a different animal than the West, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that works, especially with uh, you know a tough back-to-back coming up as their only two games this upcoming week with uh, Milwaukee and Portland back-to-back at home. If he sits for either one of those games, those are obviously two very tough opponents uh, and, and see how that plays out going forward in the year. Yeah, I, that was, and that was the one of the things I was thinking about as I, um, as as you were talking there. Uh, they do have a back to back coming up, so whether or not he plays both of those games will be kind of telling as far as how they want to handle him moving forward. Well, I, I hope that if he's healthy, if he's healthy and a hundred percent that he plays both personally. Um, I don't. I'm not one of those guys that thinks that we can just give away games in the Western Conference. I think it'll come back to bite us. Yeah. So if he's healthy and ready to go, I would love to see him play. Um, I understand why we're load managing him, and in a in a vacuum, that is definitely the that's definitely the move to go. You want to get all of your guys healthy in April and May, um, but I don't know if we have that luxury in the Western Conference, especially with Paul George not being on the floor yet. So I hope I hope I, I hope he I hope this was just a one time thing and hopefully we can keep going in the right direction as far as the uh, lessening that load management. So this week will be telling. Yeah, this week will definitely be telling. As you said, there's an exciting game coming up against Utah, who obviously Kawhi sat versus them uh, earlier this past week. So already a big game, as you mentioned and alluded to, with uh, the season series in that one, and then as we said, the the couple of important games upcoming against Milwaukee and Portland. Uh, what have you seen in terms of the Clippers and what have been their most effective lineups this year, and, uh, both offensively and defensively, from what you've seen in terms of five-man units that have been the most effective and the ones that they likely should go to around closing times of games? Well, for me, until Paul George gets back, it's very it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really hard for me to like come to any sort of, like, Conclusions as far as oh, this lineup is good, this lineup isn't something like that. Um, the starters, the starters, honestly, have been um, pretty good to start start the year. Um, I, I'm, I, I was alluding to this earlier, but the 
to me as far as just being a mobile big who's protecting the rim and things like that. Um, their most used bench lineup that includes Lou and Trez and Jamichael and Mo, um, and kind of even when you throw Patrick Beverly back in there, um, has been pretty good as well. Um, as far as like closing lineups, I, I, it's more case by case dependent. I, I just, I, I just want to see how how we close lineups when we do have Kawhi and Paul and things like that. Um, I will say that having having closing lineups with Lou and Kawhi both in the game seem seem to be working out well for us. I don't think we've had that many through six games that many clutch games where we're looking at um, who's closing and who's not. But um, what about you? What has been your takeaway on those? Yeah, you know, like like you've said, I've been surprised by just how efficient the starting lineup has been. And as we talked about a little bit before, Patrick Patterson has done a nice job. He's shooting around 30, 38%, 39% from three, and that's kind of the number you target for him to be on the floor and kind of remain effective in those minutes. So that's been impressive. And, and I've seen the same thing out of Zubats as well. You know, his, his minutes aren't especially high right now, but he's still averaging nearly two blocks a game. You know, his hands after, I think, you know, coming through some of those hand injuries from last year, he's catching the ball better, he's finishing better at the rim. So, you know, it's hard, it's easy to forget he's still a very young player. So he's going to continue to improve. And uh, I think the Clippers got him on a nice contract for, you know, the the four-year $28 million with the team option in the fourth year. So I think just having him to develop and he seems to really be absorbing a lot of leadership from Kawhi and, and the older guys on the team. So I think that uh, the starting five has been great. I and mean, as you said, anytime you throw the Lou Montrez pick and roll into things, that's been really effective for the Clippers. So uh, I like what they've got going with really both units. And uh, once you throw Paul George into there, as you said, that's what I'm going to be really curious about in terms of closing lineups. You know you'll have PG and Kawhi and likely Lou out there. Who are the other two guys on the floor? Uh, they could go big with Zubots and, you know, Harkless go super long. They could have Beverly in there. You know, so many options with just such a deep team that, uh, it's, it's just really exciting thinking about the possibilities when they're fully healthy and you know have full systems go. Yeah, I mean, I'm just envisioning a, a closing lineup where you have Lou, then you have Kawhi, PG, then you maybe have Jamichael and Trez, or maybe you have Mo Harkless and Trez, or maybe you have Mo Harkless and Jamichael. For like, you have like four, six, six, eight wings who can switch everything. Um, that that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. It's gonna be really fun. And uh, you mentioned Jamichael. He's someone who's also stood out to me. Just you know, even last year, of course, he played really well and showed out in the playoffs and really made helped them make that a competitive series against the Warriors. But he's continued to to look really good on both ends of the floor. And you know, his ability to develop into really a reliable three point shooter, along with being a good defender, has you know, really just open up the possibilities, you said, for those closing lineups and having him out there as well. Yeah, he's, he's one of my favorite players on the team. I was I was so worried that we weren't going to be able to, re- to retain him this summer. And the fact that he came back on that deal when he probably could have got more on the open market, um, was it said a lot about how he felt about the Clipper organization, which to me reflects well on the Clipper organization. But to Michael is just... He's 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 fantastic. He's gritty. He's 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 got that competitiveness to him, and he's a floor spacer with size. And you always you always love those. Um, he's he, to me. He 
he pushes the Clippers ceiling up up like a few notches if he continues to shoot well, which which I'm I'm confident in. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. Oh, he's been great. And and you mentioned how it's just his presence and re-signing for really kind of a bargain deal for his talent, a two-year, $10 million deal, uh, reflects really well in the organization. Uh, you, of course, being a Clipper fan, just what has it been like for you seeing the shift and change in the organization, of course, from, you know, really dark days and going through, you know, from the sports arena days when things were really rough and then rising through to Lob City, which was ultimately disappointing, but to where they are now, just kind of going through that through the years to see where this organization is. What's what's that been like for you as a fan? Um, it's been, it's been I, I guess you can say gratifying, but it's actually just been pretty amazing to just watch and realize um, I think everything starts with with Steve Ballmer and what he's been able to do with the with the organization as far as hiring the top end talent in the front office and it really just goes to show you just how inept the Clippers were in that regard for the last eons of years because I often say that the Clippers have only been a quote-unquote real NBA organization since 2014 when he took over. And look what he's done in just five, six years, right? He's turned, he's turned one of the laughing stocks in the NBA into a perennial, to a bona fide title contender. And that, and that's the power of ownership. It's the biggest competitive advantage in sports. So it's been amazing to watch the Clippers go from the worst owner of all time in sports, the best owner of all time in sports, and you and you, and you realize that somebody with pockets that deep, um, with no salary cap in the front office, and he's he's one of those owners that he gets out he he gets out of the way and he hires the right people for the job and he does whatever he has to do to retain his talent, and that's something that any fan would love to have in, in their owner. And it's also been kind of cool to see that he's not just satisfied with having a great basketball team in L.A., but he's really doing a lot in the community and reaching out and making sure that the Clippers are part of this Los Angeles community. And, uh, and in my opinion, what he's, what he's done will be felt 20 years from now when all of the kids who are wearing those Clipper backpacks that they gave away to start the school year this year, when you convert all those kids who are five, six, seven years old now who know only the Clippers as being a winning basketball team because of Steve Ballmer, um, 20 years from now you'll see just how great of an effect that he's had. But yeah, overall it's been just amazing to watch what Steve has been able to do with this franchise. Uh, it's it's been incredible, and in, to your point on you know the backpack giveaway, and you look across a lot of these different courts in LA where Steve Ballmer said you know we'll we'll help rebuild all of them with you know the Clipper logo on the backboards of courts all across Los Angeles. It's really been yeah. as you said just a, a kind of whole rebranding of the identity of the organization across the city, and it's been it's been really cool to just see it firsthand. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're doing like over almost 400 courts across um, Southern Southern California and Los Angeles so um, yeah that, that, that stuff means something and the Clippers are with the people man absolutely well, well Justin uh, you're with the people as well as I said we really appreciate <laughs> the work you do with, uh, with the LA Clipper Film Room account and do a great job there and uh, 
we'll get excited for this Utah game tonight and hopefully uh, talk again sometime soon. Yeah, man, this was great. This was fun. Um, hopefully this is the first of a few times that I can talk Clipper basketball with you. Maybe we'll get up at certain points of the season to see how see how they're doing. Um, tonight is a big game. Um, hopefully they come out ready. They come out um, ready to abuse that, that drop coverage and pick and roll that Utah does so great, and we can get a win out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, we'll definitely do this again. We'll talk more those pick and roll coverages and see how the Clippers are going throughout the year. But Justin, thanks again so much for coming on the show. No, thank you. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. You have a great day. And a big thanks to Justin Wilson once again for coming on the show. Really insightful stuff from him. and Love to have him back on the show once again. He's a great follow. If you do not follow him on Twitter, LA Clippers Film Room is the account. Uh, He breaks down really a lot of the minutia of the Clippers from their pick-and-roll numbers to the offensive numbers in general and just general insights about the team and the game. Really great account that you should definitely go and follow right now. So with that said, uh, along with following Justin and the LA Clippers Film Room account, be sure to follow along with us here. If you're not already, maybe you can find us on any of your favorite podcast directories, Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on any and every social media handle. You can also follow me on social media at Twitter at Jesse underscore Cass, and I can get you all the updates you need to know on this show and this program. But as we said, the Clippers 5-2 and two on the year, and a fun, exciting week, just two games, but two big matchups in Staples Center. The Milwaukee Bucks in on Wednesday at 7 p.m. for a little bit of an early tip-off for a national TV game, and then Thursday, 7.30 p.m. tip, Clippers and Portland Trail Blazers. And just a two-game week for the Clippers, but should be a great one. As we mentioned earlier in the show, Paul George progressing well. Kawhi Leonard dominating just what we like to see here for the Clippers in the early start of the season. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of Believe in Clippers, which can only be found right here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network, and the only place for the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Clips. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.